Chapter Twenty Two of the Girls of St. Wodes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Girls of St. Wodes by L. T. Mead. The Promise. Annie dragged her companion in the direction of the boathouse. A man was standing in the deepest shadow. When the girls came up, he took a step forward. Then, seeing two, he started back. "It is all right, Rupert," cried Annie. "I, I've got the money." leslie who was watching him attentively saw him change colour he had a bronzed cheek and a keen dark eye the bronze left his cheek now and his eyes flashed fire is it true he said annie held out both her hands to him he clasped them so tight that it was with difficulty she could repress a cry but as he did so he looked beyond her at leslie there was alarm and incredulity in his glance it is all right i brought her here or rather she would come it is through her i got it all my life i must thank her for what she has done for you this is more than i can bear cried leslie i have come here it is true mr colchester but not for the purpose you think i have come here to tell you what i think of you i do not know what trouble you have got into nor do i wish to know but i do know what your sister has done i blame her yes i blame her most bitterly but i blame you more don't tell don't tell cried annie she came up to leslie and tried to put her hand across her mouth i will tell him but no one else said leslie he must know he drove you to it and he must know listen she added she came up close to rupert colchester and stared him full in the face your sister wrote a letter in my name to my best friend she wrote it to the man who is kinder to me than anyone else in the world she signed the letter with my signature and he thought that it came from me having written the letter she made an excuse to go to london yesterday and took it to him it contained a request to give me because i had gone into debt sixty pounds the money was to be given in notes and gold she brought the money back and now she not i is giving it to you indeed said the man he started back he looked from annie to leslie i didn't know you were clever enough for that he said it seems to run in our blood i mean the capacity for thieving i did not know you could do it you are clever enough annie and you have cheek enough but to do that to commit a forgery and to drag another girl in it was done for you and you of all people ought not to blame her said leslie you had cheek repeated colchester he laid his hand lightly on his sister's shoulder i thank you from my heart of course and you too miss miss i don't know your name you had better not know it i don't want you to yes she did it and mr parker thinks that i am guilty do you quite realize both of you what any colchester has done i realize it fast enough said colchester but you are a merciful girl i see it in your eyes nevertheless i will state the position quite plainly your sister by writing such a letter committed forgery annie uttered a deep groan and covered her face after a moment she raised her eyes and glanced at rupert he was not looking at her he was staring at leslie try and keep quiet annie and allow me to speak continued leslie i do not intend to betray her but i want you to know mr colchester what it has cost me it has nearly driven me mad think what it must mean to me mr park imagines that i am the sort of girl who will go into debt and then come to him to clear me do you know that because of this he came to wingfield to-day he sought me out he spoke to me he was in the deepest distress and you-you confided in him said rupert colchester few girls would be noble enough oh you do her injustice interrupted annie she has not told she has not betrayed us is it not brave of her i have not told said leslie but i have had an awful struggle if i told what annie has really done it might get her into such fearful trouble that she would be ruined she would have to leave st wode's her career would be practically over even if the law did not punish her she would never do any good in this country again i have saved her from that but it was a great effort 
I have come here tonight, Mr. Colchester, to tell you that you are the one most to blame. I am going to keep this thing to myself, but only on one condition. This is the most bitter moment of my life. This thing that any has done on account of you has turned both my present and my future into gall and bitterness. I was the happiest of girls yesterday. Now I am the most miserable. My best friend thinks badly of me, and I can never set myself right with him. But I promise here, willingly, before God, that I will not tell what any has done if you, on your part, will make me a promise. What is it? said Colchester. Upon my word, you are a brave sort of girl, and I don't mind. That is, short of ruining myself. It will not ruin you. It will save you. I want you to promise me to leave Annie alone in the future. Annie uttered a sharp cry. But I don't wish to be left alone, she said. I cannot live without Rupert. That you will leave Annie alone in the future, continued Leslie. That you will never again take money from her. That sixty pounds is my present to you. I exonerate Annie from all blame in that matter. She shall never get into trouble on my account if you, on your part, will keep your word. You are plucky, said Colchester. He was impressed by Leslie's manner and by her remarkable beauty. The moon was shining full upon her face, which looked clear and pale and unearthly. You are a very plucky girl, he repeated, and Annie is in luck to have made you a friend. Yes, I am all right now. This little girl, or rather, you, miss, he paused, but Leslie did not supply the name, have made it all right for me. Very well. I promise not to tell what Annie has done if you make me a promise not to blackmail her again. Blackmail? That is an ugly word, said Colchester. After all, she is my sister. The more shame on you to get your sister into trouble. I have a brother. Do you think he? But there, I cannot speak of him in the same breath with you. If you attempt to blackmail any any more, I will tell Mr. Parker all about this matter. I will consider that the promise I have made today is no longer binding. Now it rests with yourself. Bid your sister good-bye, and go. Oh, I cannot, cannot part with you, Rupert, cried Annie. She burst into a bitter flood of tears, flung her arms round her brother's neck, and laid her head on his shoulder. There is nothing, nothing I would not do for you she sobbed. Leslie moved away to a little distance. She had spoken with emphasis and spirit, but never in the whole course of her life had she felt so cold, so bitter. Although she had promised before God not to betray her miserable companion, yet she knew no sense of happiness. It seemed to her that she was setting the seal to her degradation. Never again could she be happy. Always now there would be one person who would think of her as a girl capable of any meanness, any smallness, any deceit. The mere knowledge that someone would so regard her troubled her so much that she wondered if, in the future, she could lead an upright life. And why was she doing it? For Annie did not appreciate her sacrifice, except in as far as it saved Rupert, and as to Rupert himself, it needed only to look into his face to see how weak and worthless he was. Wrapped in the misery of these thoughts, Leslie did not notice Annie until she came back and touched her on the arm. He cannot praise you enough. You do not know what he has been saying of you. He wants to bid you good-bye now. He's going to Australia. He has made up his mind. I shall never see him more. There was a note of such utter misery in Annie's voice that Leslie, wretched as she was, started up and shook herself. Let him go, she said. I do not want to speak to him again. But I so earnestly wish you would. He is terribly touched by what you have done. This may be the turning point. Do come and shake hands with him. I cannot. You cannot? Leslie, do you think him as bad as all that? He is very bad, Annie. And he is making you bad. And, oh, indirectly he is making me bad, too. I cannot go. I can never touch his hand. You are too hard, said Annie. I could have loved you for what you have done, but when you speak against him, I cannot bear you. Feel just as you please about me, said Leslie, but I cannot bid your brother good-bye, nor shake hands with him. Come back to me when he has gone, and be quick. We ought to be in the house now. There is no use in our getting into fresh trouble. Annie turned slowly away. In about ten minutes, she came back to Leslie. He has gone, she said. He will take his passage for Australia tomorrow. I shall never see him any more. Her tone was cold, 
calm and low then let us return to the house said leslie they went slowly across the quadrangle entered by the side door and went up to their room i wish i was not your room fellow annie said leslie i never knew i could feel so bitter towards anyone you will get over it dear and after all as rupert says oh please don't mention his name annie looked at her a frown coming between her brows i cannot understand you she said after a pause you are so noble and yet you are so hard are good very good people often like you i'm not good i don't think i shall ever be good again said poor leslie she sat down on the nearest seat and covered her face with her trembling hands annie switched on the electric light at least there need be no more study she said after a pause leslie did not take the slightest notice annie sat down on a sofa took up the novel she had been reading that afternoon and turned a page or two listlessly presently she flung it down and uttered a heart-rendering sigh that sigh reached leslie she looked up and tried to speak in a cheerful tone are you not going to get all your books you know you have so much to do before the examination i do not mean to study any more did not you hear me say so but why i cannot understand the motive for study has gone i shall take my pass exam and let that suffice i shall leave wingfield at the end of term but why should you give up everything why said annie why she went over and stood by the window the night wind came in and lifted the dress of her hair and played with it leslie seated on her own sofa at the farther end of the room seemed always in her moments of bitterest grief in the future to see the dress of hair tossed up and down by the wind the electric light in the room played on it and brought out some of its red fire annie's face was ghastly pale but her eyes were large and too brilliant for health why should you give up everything repeated leslie after another pause why can't you understand did you ever have a watch with a broken spring i think so yes it was useless was it not of course until it was mended well i'm like that watch the spring that guided my life is broken and unlike the watch it can never be mended you forget that there is such a thing as a watchmaker even for the human watch said leslie her tone softening granted but i shall not put myself into his hands good night i am dead tired i feel numb all over i'm going to bed i want beyond everything else on earth to sleep she threw herself down on her bed without an attempt at undressing leslie started up to remonstrate if annie lay like that she would have a terrible cold in the morning she advanced a step or two across the room and then paused after all it does not matter she said to herself i should not have got into this awful scrape if i had not been good to her i will leave her alone now i have ruined myself absolutely and for ever but i cannot cannot be friends with her rupert has gone rupert has gone moaned annie and my son has said leslie heard the words but even they did not soften her what has come to me she thought has this trouble turned me into a stone End of The Promise Recording by Julie Niedermeyer